Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Today, we're, man, we've been in this for a while now, and man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have been enjoying this, just particularly chapter 11, and what God has had to say in all of this. Today, I want to talk about the decisions of faith. Your faith should be actively moving in your life. Your faith should be impacting your life and how you make decisions. I think too often we think, well, you know what? I've come to Jesus and, and I'm going for all eternity to spend it with him. But, but here and now, you know what? I'm sort of in control of my life. The Bible would beg to differ that point. One, one, just one verse, Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. Listen to this. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me and loved me. You see, your life is is not your own anymore once you come to Jesus. And every aspect of of your life should be filtered through the truth of the gospel. Now, that's going to cost you something. Just being honest, it's going to cost you something. It may cost you friends. It may cost you prestige. It may cost you, quote, unquote, power, if there is such a thing. It may cost you security, but here's the key to it. It's well worth it. I think we've missed that in the church. First off, we've got too many prosperity preachers that want to stand behind the pulpit and say, well, if you come to know Jesus, man, you're going to have all the money you're ever going to want. Your whole life's going to be perfect. You're going to be just be blessed. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's just not true biblically. You'll find that nowhere in Scripture. What you will find is over and over again, people saying this, the prophets and and the disciples and apostles saying, endure the suffering. I don't always write out word for word my introduction, but I did this week. Because I want to make sure I, I hit certain points. How do you make your decisions about life? Where are you going to go? What are you going to be? How are you going to dress? Where are you going to go to school? Where are you going to do this? Where are you... How do you go about making your decisions? So I began to think about some. Do you just go with your gut? Are you like Jethro Gibbs on NCIS? I just go with my gut. Do, do you just go with your wants? Well, I want it, so, and it's, it's nothing 
bad about it, so I'm going to go with that. Or your desires. Or here's one I think is fairly popular. I'm going to poll my friends and see what they think. What's your go-to? I mean, when you flat have to make a decision, where is your go-to? What do you say or do? Or where do you go? What do you do? I wonder how many go to this. How many go to their knees in prayer? Now, here's what I will bet would be probably the most honest answer most of us could give today. Well, for the really big decisions, yeah. But for just any old decision, why bother God? Because some of us think, well, is God in the minutia of my life? Well, he wrote the book of Numbers and Leviticus, and if you've never read them, it's minutia. So yes, he is caring about the minutia of your life. And by the way, here's the truth. If you don't come to him for the small things, why would you ever go to him for the big things? Because we may say that. I didn't say we did it, but I think we say that. But when the truth is, we just still sort of go with our gut or we will poll our friends. What do you think? Your life, I wrote this down. Your life is ultimately a life of daily decisions. When you break it all down, it is really just a, a, a life of daily decisions. And every decision that you make affects your life. Can affect your health, both mentally or physically. Can affect your wealth. Can affect your families. Can I, can I make this statement? Dusty, that, the baptism of your daughter, I will put money, if you could get down to it, is a direct result of your decision a few months ago. Statistics have proven that when daddies get saved, families lean that way. Just being honest. Dads, if you're involved in church, your family will be. Just a proven statistic. Our walk will be different. Our eternity will be different. Because you see, your eternity is ultimately based on your daily. Speaking of your rewards. Now, I know some of you don't care. You're just that whole deal. Well, I don't care what rewards I get as long as I get there. If that's your attitude, here's what I would say. Be real careful about getting there. He wants to see, Jesus that is, wants to see a life well lived. Well, what's a life well lived other than a bunch of days that you get up and make the conscientious decision to follow Jesus that day? So your decision-making is a major part of all of our lives. So that, and so many of us don't consider or worry about it. We make eternal decisions without a thought uh, of considering the ramifications that it may 
bring. I've said it before that Sunday morning is a Saturday, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision, but I think I'm wrong. It's an everyday decision. You know what should be the culmination of your week? Church. It, sh- it should be. There, there, I, you know, people say all the time, well, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. No, you don't. But you get to go to church. This is a privilege. I have literally been in countries where they would get in trouble for going to church. Hello. But we're like, well, I don't got to go. Okay, that is seriously just like a husband looking at his wife. Well, we're going to get married today. But I tell you what, as soon as we say yes, and, and as soon as I say my vows to you, and we put the rings on, and we do all that, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go live elsewhere, but you're still going to be my wife. And never, ever, ever worry whether I love you or not, because I'm telling you that I do. I know some of you are going, that's a ridiculous way to put it, Hank. Really? Uh, okay. The church is the bride of Christ. So what, what kind of decisions do you, do you want to make in your life? And do you want to make them godly? Because it's before you all the time. I'm going to give you some passages about decision making in, in a little bit. Then we're going to get, don't worry, we're going to get to the Hebrews. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Oh, Moses is about to, God's going to take him up on Mount Nebo and, and just sort of take him to heaven. And, and he's about to end this way and, and go that way. And, but he leaves some parting words here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, at verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, evil and death. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules. Isn't it amazing how the Bible says that over and over? Wait a minute. The Bible says over and over. I could take you to verse, 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 verse. New Testament, Old Testament that says the same thing that says this. Loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules. And yet we want to be people that say, well, I don't really have to do that. The Bible says, yes, you do. The Bible says you will know them by their fruit. The Bible does not say you'll know them by some profession that they make one Sunday morning and then they maybe get baptized. The Bible doesn't say that. It says that you'll know them when they keep my statutes. They keep my commandments. We in America specifically see how little we can do for the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ and still get to heaven. And all along our friends are going... That's good. You said something real godly today. Verse 17 says, but if you, your heart turns away and, and you, listen, you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. Perish. 
I just want to stand before you today and say, if God is your God, you wouldn't be living like a hellion. Some of you may not like me very much after today's sermon. It's okay. I'm good. You wouldn't be making excuses why you can get away with certain things. God understands. No, God does not understand. He will not bless carnality and he will not bless sin. I don't care who you are. Flip over to Joshua, chapter 24. Verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, which I swear I believe it is today. I believe some Christians think it's evil to serve the Lord. You know, society says it, so we should be all right. Do you understand that you plus God equals a majority? I mean, you get that? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods that your father served on the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Last one, 1 Kings 18. Elijah's confronted 18, and, and he's about to go up, and he's about to, to um, we know this chapter is when he's about to be up on the mountain, he's going to, you know, let them sacrifice their gods, and the God who answers by fire, he is the God, and you know that, the big fight that was there. But he says this in verse 21, and Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If God is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. You know what he said? It's, it so reminds me there of in Revelation chapter 3 at the church at Laodicea. He says, you're not hot. You're not cold. Man, you're lukewarm, and I want to spit you out of my mouth. I honestly believe that's the church of America today. Just believe it. I believe God would just soon spit the church out today. Because we look for times and I don't need to go to church. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to give a tithe. I don't need to give an offering. I don't need to work. I don't need to do this for the kingdom. And God understands. John MacArthur said this, right decisions are made on the basis of a right faith. If your faith is not right, your decisions won't be right. You'll make decisions that are ungodly. And we'll just try, and we'll, we'll, we'll get little yes people. We do this. We'll get yes men and women beside us and go, it's okay. You should do that. You deserve to be happy. You deserve that. You deserve that, man. God wants you happy. Friends, God wants you holy. God doesn't give a rip about you being happy. Now, ultimately, when you're in the midst of holiness and you're striving to be holy, yes, you'll be happy. But God's not up in heaven going, how can I make Hank happy today? 
No, God's up in heaven going, what can I do to get his attention to make Hank understand he ought to be holy? Let's stand in the reading of God's word. That was all introduction. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11. And by the way, this, see, I know people are probably going to say, is he talking to me? I got two comments, and I'm going to be real blunt and honest. The dog the rock hits is the one that barks. And number two, I just go come what comes. Why do you think I preach through books of the Bible that nobody could ever go, you preaching right against me today. I'm not preaching against you today. I'm preaching the next passage in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, how many of us would do this today? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, some folk even go, well, you know, sin is not no fun. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Why do you do it then? In that moment, sin is pleasurable. Come on now. But now in the aftermath, not so much. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Father, God, help us to make decisions of faith based upon you. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Three things. I'm going to talk about a faith. When you make decisions of faith, that's a faith that stands with God, that's a faith that aligns with God, and that's a faith that endures with God. Let's jump in. Number one, it's a faith that stands with God. If all the world is against you, but God says differently, stand with God. Always stand with God. Now, listen, don't nobody read into this. If, if the Bible doesn't clear, then, you, I mean, you got to follow me. I'm not saying just go break the law. But if it comes down to what God says, yes. Go to Exodus chapter 1. And look at what, here's what I'm talking about today. Exodus chapter 1. So, so here's a little background. Joseph has been there, and he's, he's brought his family to the land of Goshen, and, and they've begun, I mean, God, you would think, well, God put them in the servanthood, right? But he put them there to grow them. And I mean, they began to explode, man, in that land of Goshen, and so much that the Egyptian Pharaoh now, who did not know Joseph, he's getting worried, and so he tells his people, hey, look, midwives, when you go to a, a Jewish lady, a Hebrew, and she has a boy, you kill it. If it's a girl, you let it live. You know the enemy hates the Jewish people. That's all that's going on over there in the Middle East today. Okay? He, he hates the Jewish people. But Genesis chapter 12 is still in the Bible. Okay? If you don't know what it says, go read it. That's your assignment. But look at verse 16. This is, I just told you what. When, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, you'll kill him. But if it's a daughter, he shall live. But the midwives, I love this, feared God. 
Now, I want you to go. If you've never had a history of the Jewish people, uh, Acts chapter 7 is a great place to get a very brief one. It's Stephen in his great speech um, before, before he was stoned to death. And Stephen recounts this as well. And notice what he says, verse 17 of Acts chapter 7. But as a time of promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants. It meant that they see whether they were male or female so that he could kill all the males. That's what he's saying right there. So they would not be kept alive. And at this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up in three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own. And he was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in his words and and deeds. Praise God for people that value life. Hello? Hello? God is a God of life, not a God of death. The enemy, that's why he's so after, why abortion is just so wrong. It was even happening then, basically. They were trying to exterminate the Jews and control the population. John 10.10 says, I have come so they may have life and have it more abundantly. But you know, right before that, what does it say? The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. God is that God of, of life. And, and the word there, feared, uh, there that we read there in Exodus chapter 1, it means to revere, to cause to be frightened. And another meaning of it is to love to the highest degree. So what these midwives did, they feared God, but they loved him so much. They were not afraid of Pharaoh. Listen, they were more afraid of Almighty God, and they're like, we're not going to do it. They did not kill those Hebrew boys, specifically Moses. I just said this, oh, that we, and think about this, that we would have the faith of some unnamed midwives. Man, I believe those midwives, I believe they're up there in heaven now, and I believe they are closest to the king. In the Hebrews chapter 11, I've told you of the and others, these unnamed midwives are some of God's others that stood up for him. They heard his word and they wanted to go. They feared God. They stood for God and for life and not with Pharaoh and death. They heard his word and they stood on it. How many of us do that? How many of us have ever read the Word of God? How many of us has ever took our time and not just went at it like this? Well, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to read it. That's a crazy statement. <coughs> You're getting so much more out of it if you would just spend time. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never read God's Word, but I know what's in it. See, this is my quizzical look. What? How would that ever come to be? I mean, listen, some of you, I know you, but I don't know you. I don't know your favorite color. I don't know your favorite meal. I I don't know your, your favorite activity. I don't know that. And you don't know God if you've not read his book. 
And don't tell me you do. I know it. No, you're about to get tripped up because it sounds biblical. You know that's what cults do, right? They'll take a little scripture and, and they'll, they'll, they'll start out with it and then they put their twist on it. And you'll say things like, well, that, that sounds... I mean, listen to this. We, we hear this all the time. Y'all know God helps those who helps themselves. Not in the Bible. Matter of fact, it says the exact opposite. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Or here's another one. You know, if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. You want to show me that scripturally? I mean, seriously, you can stand up right now. Give me book, chapter, verse from the King James 1611 version. We're going to get the real Bible. (coughs) Tell me. It's not in there. But some of you believe that. Can, can I be honest? I believed it growing up. This, I don't know what it is about this area and that thought. I believed it growing up, and then finally I said that to somebody, and they're like, what are you talking about? So then I got in the Bible for myself, and guess what I've never found, Katie? That verse. It's not in there. You know, Reformation Day is in a few days. Martin Luther posted his theses on the door. And when he did it, and then he got called to this diet of worms. And they were, they were like, you know, can you explain this? And my man was struggling there for a little bit. Well, you know, I don't know. So he said, I just need to go home, and can I come back tomorrow? So he stands in front of this council of all these hierarchy of religious folk. And this is what he said. Listen to this. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I could just let it stop right there, man. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. Thus, I cannot and I will not recant, because acting against our conscience is neither safe nor sound. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. My conscience is held captive by the Word of God. Most Christians today would say this, I'm repulsed by the Word of God. Because it doesn't fit my lifestyle. Well, there's only one lifestyle, I hate to break it to you, but it's man and woman. Hello, there is no other. God created it in the beginning. There's no such thing as evolution. It's creationism. There are just certain ways, and I just don't understand people that want to give me their opinion about how society should be when God's written the book about how society should be. We stand on this as a church, but so many of us don't even have a copy anymore. That leads right to number two, our faith should align with God. 
So first off, you, you stand with God in his word, and then you make your, this is the application part, you will align with God. Back, back there in Acts chapter, I'm going to go back to Hebrews in just a minute, but in Acts chapter 7 and, and, and verse 30, uh, 22, excuse me. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians that he was mighty in his word and deeds. Joseph, I mean, Moses had it all. Do you, do you understand that? Moses had it all. This guy was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He had the best education. He had the best chariots. He had the best horses. He had the best schooling. He had the best training. He had the best everything. The best, the best. And I've read some commentaries that say that they think he could have been in line to be the next Pharaoh. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that was that possibility that was there. And he gave it all up. How many of us would do the same? Listen to what he did. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Notice what he did. When he was grown at the age of 40, God moves in his heart, and I'm going to show you that in just a second. By faith, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which had everything attached to it, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We would have made every excuse why to stayed up in that house. Well, well, listen, I, if, if I'm here, man, I can help direct the, the way of the law. No, you wouldn't. But if, if I'm here, I, I would have so much more money that I could give away to the poor. No, you wouldn't. Well, if I had all this power, then I could, I could do this. No, you wouldn't. Because the moment you started giving it away and the moment you started giving in to what they wanted is the moment you would lose it all when you stood up to them, excuse me, and then you wouldn't have anything, so you would keep on giving in to them. But notice what happened. So then, so then what happened, Pastor Hank? Well, in Acts chapter 7, we're told what happened. In verse 23, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart. If you write your Bibles right beside that, here's what you ought to say. God spoke to him. God began to draw him. God began to say, hey, Moses, listen, I put you there for a season to get you to know everything about the Egyptian way, the Egyptian Pharaoh. I've given you all this so I could get you learned up. I got you there so all this stuff. Now I need you to be a deliverer. <coughs> That's what he was saying. We know that you know, Moses tried to go deliver the people right then, but he did, he did it his way and not God's way. So God had to send him on the backside of nowhere for 40 years to humble him. We need obedience. We need to follow God. See, God had something in better for them, in store for him. That's why he could say in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of of Egypt. Can I ask you a question as you, you align? Does your, listen, does, does your spiritual life align with the Bible and God's Word? No, seriously. We all seek for reasons not to come to church. 
ว่า you don't miss your job you don't miss your vacations you don't miss that stuff but I wonder how many people right now and I know I know I get fussed at by some people that I'm preaching to the choir but there are people right now watching that just said it's not God's not worthy for me to show up at his house today you do realize that the church is God's creation And upon this rock, I will build my church. Throughout history, people did all they could to meet together and be together. I've told you guys, man, my my spiritual gift is hanging out. We all laugh. I mean, but it's true, bro. Yes, I'm the pastor, and I preach it. But the rest of the time, I want to be right there, man, being with you guys, getting to know you. You can't get that watching me on TV. Who would want to see this ugly face on a big screen TV anyway? Sheesh. Stupid. How about your professional life? Do the decisions that you make in your professional life, do they align with God? How, how many of you are known as the biggest crook in your field of whatever you do? How many of you are known by, well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't take it to that person if you say you're a mechanic. I wouldn't take it to that person because he's going to fix it just enough to run, and then it's going to break down, and then you got to go pay him again, he's going to charge you. Who wants to be that guy, especially if you're a believer? Or how about this? Are you lazy at what you do? I talked to the FCA at Chatham High this week, man. This is one first time this year I've, got, I've gotten to actually talk a little bit. Because they got some guys that are doing a great job. But I talked about this. talked about that pass I read from Deuteronomy. Then I went to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Here's what I told them. In everything you do, in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. Just being honest, man. I don't care if you're a plumber. Do the absolute best job so that you don't got to go back. But is your, does your professional life, how about your public life? People know you in public like. If I would just go, people that you were, see you in public, would they know you're a believer? Well, yeah, but, you know, probably would see me, you know, casual drinker. Casual drinker. I heard the greatest one-liner from Adrian Rogers this week. So he's at a restaurant with, with his wife and some others, and, and this little waitress comes by and says, um, sir, would you like something to drink? And he said this. He says, honey, I'm one drink away from being an alcoholic. And so she backs up and says, oh, I didn't know you, 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 you were, um, used to be an alcoholic and, and you, you're worried about she He says, oh, no, I've never drank a drop in my life. But I know that one drink can lead me down that path. How many of us make excuses so we can drink socially? Man, it gets real quiet. You start talking about stuff like this. Oh, I haven't even got to the good part yet. So if I've already made you mad, I'm about to really make you mad. Oh, I am, sister. Don't worry. 
How about your private life? Well, if we right now could just pull up your, your history. We just put it up there. We, we chose you and put your history that you've been searching on the internet. What if we put it right up there? What, what will we see? How about, how about if we took your tax returns and, and put them up there? Been cheating on your taxes. How about if we just put, put when you're at home and, and nobody's there, how you talk to your family? What, what type of words? This is where the public and, the, and, the, and your private meet. What about when you're, when you're hanging out with your friends, man, and, and, we, and we could just get a camera zoomed in from outer space, right, and it would just see you in that group? What would your mouth be like? We think none of that matters. And by the way, it don't matter to me what you say, but it matters to God. See, you don't have to answer to Hank. Praise Jesus. And I don't have to answer to you. Praise Jesus. Because some of you would crucify me right now. Just by the looks on your face. But there is a man who keeps perfect records. And when your way of life and decisions don't align with his way for you, it's called sin. God don't bless sin. He, he don't bless, God don't understand. Let me go, God don't understand. He don't care who you are. He don't care. We need to be like this guy, Baron Justinian von Welts. He, he renounced his title, his estates, his income to, to go to Dutch Guiana as a missionary. As he was preparing to go, listen to this confession of faith. What is it to me to bear the title well-born when I am born again to Christ? What is it to me to have the title Lord when I desire to be a servant of Christ? What is it to be called your grace when I have need of God's grace? All of these vanities I will away with, and all else I will lay at the feet of Jesus. I believe he had read Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 11, where Paul said, everything that I've ever had is rubbish in knowing Jesus Christ. How many of us right here today can say with Paul, everything else in my life is rubbish to know Jesus? Most of us would say, I got to get all that straight, and then I'll just get Jesus when I get to heaven. It don't work like that. Let me give you the last thing. Faith. Your decision should be a faith that endures with God. I mean, there's a whole lot of preachers out there today. They'll tell you this. Man, if you know Jesus, boy, he's going to give you all the money you want. He's going to give you all the clothes you want. He's going to give you Your life is just going to be zippity-doo-dah. There's a bluebird on my shoulder. You're never going to hear that from this pulpit. Matter of fact, what you're going to hear is pretty much the opposite. I promise you, you come to Jesus, your world's going to fall apart probably. And every time you think it's got right back together, it comes. You know Why? Because the God of this age, little g, hates you. You got to keep up. The word suffer there 
He considered the reproach of, well, he, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, to suffer, in as uh, New King James says there, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That word means to maltreat in company with, to endure persecution together. And by the way, if nothing else, that's a great reason, man, to be at church, man. And then to be open and honest. Sometimes you're not okay. It's okay not to be okay. You know, but some dude's like, man, if I cry, that's not very manly, so I can't cry. No, you know what that is? If you don't cry like that, stupid. I mean, that's just dumb. I got to truck it up. Bro, come on, man. You cannot live for the moment. You live for eternity, even when your world, world has fell apart. He said, the reproach of Christ, listen to this, is greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Egypt ruled the world. Go read what Job said in Job 21 and Job 20. How they said, if the wicked seem to be getting along, don't worry. They'll go to Sheol one day. God says, I just want you to follow me. And endure the persecutions that are going to come. And by the way, that's a hallmark of your faith if you endure persecutions. Jesus endured them. Why do you think you would not? That's why he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't say, take up your $100 bills and follow me. He didn't say, get your bluebird out and follow me. He said, no, take up your cross and follow me. Paul writing to the church at Galatia. He gets to the very end and he's like, man, I don't know if you're questioning me or not. But it's like he's writing this book and he gets to the very end and he's just so struggling with them. They're pharisaical and all that. and They're not very loving and Paul writes these words in Galatians 6, 17. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of us have made decisions that would be spiritually we would bear the marks of Jesus because we've taken some kickback. What, are your de- what is your decision life like? There's one thing that I really radically think could change your life. It's how you make decisions. Moses lived this life for 40 years and had it all. But when God moved in, he said, Moses, that's not for you. Follow me. And everything that comes in with it, it'll be worth it. What is your decision life like? Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.